Hey, everybody. You've reached the Mayfair Podcast. I'm Eric. And this is Josh. It is Tuesday, January 18th, and we are <laughs> tuning in from lockdown still here in Ontario specifically. Yeah, and Ottawa is... Well, actually, I was going to say it's quite cold, but it's really sort of okay for mid-January. It was nice today. Yesterday was a full-blown <laughs> Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer snowstorm from dawn till dusk yeah it was literally uh, once in a decade it was what i read that where it was like such a heavy snowfall like and i'm i'm never good like i feel like every time something like that happens i'm like it was a foot of snow and no matter what it was my brain when i'm out there shoveling i'm like god it's like a foot of snow out here but i, I think it almost actually was a foot of snow yesterday outside our place was hilarious because the city did a good job of getting the streets cleaned and such but it's funny just these unbelievable death star trenches that you're walking down <laughs> We were both at home yesterday, and I hear a knock at the door, which is always terrifying, but kind of exciting, I guess. But just, I guess it's just because the last two years, anytime there's a knock at the door, I'm not expecting. I'm like, oh my god, what's what's going on? It's the end of times. So, anyways, I go, and it was this. It was just a, a random guy who was like, oh hey, I was just wondering if you wanted your driveway shoveled. And I've never had that happen before. And I was like, oh, no. And he didn't, like, ask for payment. I mean, I assume he would have. But was it a do-gooder? <laughs> I guess. Like, I think it was just, like, a neighborhood dude just wandering around, seeing, like, someone's crazy driveway, you know, and being like, oh. But it's like, I actually enjoyed doing my driveway and not paying someone, I guess, is half of that. But still, it was just so surprising. I was just like, oh, you know, we're good for now. Thanks a lot. And, you know, I'm like, oh, that's nice. I'm telling myself that it was a nice gesture or whatever. But <laughs> yeah. And then, like, as I'm outside later doing the driveway, I'm like, man, maybe I, maybe I should have paid that. <laughs> guy if but, he was like 10 bucks you'd be like uh yeah, seven i just like and i'm not sure if it was just he doesn't expect payment or you know but people would like be like oh i don't know here's a 20 i don't i don't know i don't know what things cost i don't lee said that before he said if some kid in the mayfair neighborhood was ever like hey can i shovel out the alleyway and we'll give you some popcorn or yeah. something or give a couple bucks because it is it's not too bad but this was our first real snowfall this year and the bonus the Take your silver linings where you can, <laughs> that us being closed, we didn't have to worry about getting that shoveled out right away. Yeah, so it's done. And on a sliding scale of snow, it, was, it wasn't it was too bad. Yeah, it's like you can have one bag of popcorn and your choice of two posters, but we yeah. get to pick the stack of posters. It's like, you don't like Mordecai? <laughs> you get Hotel Transylvania 3. Oh, man, we've got some real gems that, as we've said before, we don't believe are real movies, even though we know what they, that they are. Yeah. Like, I feel like that happens a lot, you know, when I see, like, old movie trailers or whatever. I'm like, oh, yeah, that was, a, like, the door in the floor or something like that. I'm like, yeah, I remember that. Especially looking back, so I've been cleaning out my mom's basement of my stuff. Yeah, that's not, you make it sound like you're a good guy, but it's <laughs> no, your no, own no. stuff. It's, it's like, oh my God, I wish you weren't moving and I could just leave it there. <laughs> but everybody goes through this, whether they go through it right away and they have the kind of parent who's like, you're 20 and out of the house, take your things. <laughs> I was lucky where my mom has a basement where... Not only my stuff, but her friends' things and just stuff stacks up in a house when you've been in it for a couple decades. So it's a good thing to do because both you kind of find treasure and you go through and you're like, oh my God, this is garbage. This is old paper. This is whatever. But you find stuff of that. I can't believe these were real movies, especially when you're flipping through magazines. Yeah. And one that really hit me, and I was flipping through magazines to get more posters to put up in our secret Mayfair bathroom. <laughs> that no one will ever see. No one will ever see. <laughs> and one that really hit me was Single White Female. Oh, yeah. Like, just to have a movie called Single White Female, <laughs> which, if I remember correctly, is about somebody 
specifically looking for a roommate who was a single white female? Yeah, it was something. And I can't remember if it was like a serial killer thing and like maybe they only kill single white females. But still like that's super racist to be like, no, I only want a white roommate. Is that what it was? Wait, yeah. Or am I reading it the wrong way? The more that I'm thinking about it, yeah. You're like, first of all, the single thing is a bit creepy, but you're like, okay, maybe. And then you're like, white. You're like, okay, starting to get a little racism-ish. And then female, you're like, (laughs) okay, well, you're really, you have a type. And like, was it a guy placing the ad? Because I No, it was Bridget Fonda Mm. placing the ad. And it was Holly Hunter? Oh my God, now I can't remember. Jennifer Jason Lee? It was like one of the, I'm trying to think of like the single white females. But I might be throwing it under a bus unnecessarily, but just that caught my eye as a movie that, like you could have a movie about a young woman looking for a roommate and it going horribly wrong. But just that title, I thought, was weird. Oh, yeah. It was, it was Jennifer Jason Lee. Yeah, that's head. what I thought. But, yeah, and you see, like, especially the 90s of, <laughs> like, flipping through movie magazines, say, Encino Man mm-hmm. and how things have <laughs> changed, where Brandon Fraser went from, like, the dumb guy yeah. to the action hero to now a pretty cool character actor. Mm-hmm. And Polly Shore was a viable leading man, was somebody that Hollywood said, yep, name above the title. We're putting you in the center spotlight. Yeah. And can you imagine that now? <laughs> like, Well, and it's funny that you mentioned that because like one of the movies I just watched a few days ago was called Phantom of the Mall, Eric's Revenge. Yeah. So obviously, I mean, I felt like I had to watch it based yeah, on yeah. my revenge. One of the co-stars was Polly Shore, like a oh, young wow. Polly Shore. So this was like, shoot, I don't know, like 89, maybe? I'm, I'm trying to think of, because Encino Man was 92, I think. Yeah, all that stuff like Encino Man and Biodome, all those kind of ones were like early 90s. Yeah, because like that was 94, I think, or 96 maybe. Yeah, because he didn't last long because by the time, say like 95? In the Army now, I think was 96. Wow. Because like mid-90s moved on to Adam Sandler, Chris Farley, David Spade kind of stuff. Mm Mm-hmm. He had a very small window. Like son-in-law, you know, like there was four or five that were what they were. (laughs) Or even like Under Siege. Oh, where is he in it? No, no, no. But okay. just as as a like yeah, trying to picture that as another actor of the era, Steven Seagal once again was a viable leading man. And not only that, Under Siege was I think critically acclaimed. Yeah. and made a bunch of money. Yeah, and you look at him now, and yes, it's thirty years later, twenty five years later. But you're like, wow, he was somebody that people were like. Friday night, going to the Steven Seagal movie. Yeah, and it, and it was weird seeing in Phantom of the Mall, Polly Shore was not Polly Shore. You know, like his character was like Snot or something like that. I can't remember. He had a nickname that they call him. And, and he was like a bit of a prankster, so to speak, but not Polly Shore, Polly Shore, you know? And so it was still, it was like the perfect dose of Polly Shore. He was kind of the geeky friend that was not getting with the ladies, but wanted to kind of thing. And so it was sort of funny to see him in that because he looks young, like he must have been. I don't know, 17, 18, like I, oh, super it's young. really yeah. hard to tell. And so it's funny to see because he wasn't distracting like he is in the movies he stars in. That's what you want if you're a fan of his, I guess. But watching it for something like that, it's so interesting to see him dialed back. And, and I always had that exact thought where I was like, in a few years, he's the guy. Like he's a starring role. Well, carries a film, debatable, I yeah. guess. But like, <laughs> but yeah, it is funny to see that the early days of something like that, or like a Jim Carrey in like Fast Times on Maple Drive or Hard Times on Maple Drive, whatever it was, you know, where he did these drama roles or small roles or whatever, and you're like, damn, this guy's gonna be huge and so not long. Or if you just stood Adam Sandler beside Polly Shore, <laughs> like Polly Shore of those movies and Adam Sandler of Billy Madison, Happy Gilmore Mm -hmm. and went in a couple decades, one of these two people 
is every once in a while going to do a highly acclaimed independent drama film. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't know which one to pick. You'd be like, what? What? I'm still trying to picture it like a Polly Shore. He must have done a dramatic role. Or maybe not, actually. Like, I, I mean, don't know. I, I say that. Like, I'm pretty sure he co-owns like the comedy store or something like that. Yeah, his mom down. was a big cornerstone yeah. person in Los Angeles comedy. So he grew up around that, did stand-up, did MTV, and then became Polly Shore. And I think took advantage of it pretty well for five years or so. Yeah. And then in the past bunch of years, they've just been doing weird, bad movies and stand-up and yeah. whatever. Like, I can't remember the last thing I saw him in that was not from 1989. Yeah, like, me neither. So, it, I, like, I almost wouldn't be surprised and, and would kind of respect if he was just sort of like, I don't need to do this. I'm sure he's financially set, I would imagine. Yeah, I think he kind of went back to doing stand-up. I'm yeah. pretty sure. TV probably somewhere along And then the vice versa. Adam Sandler is arguably the biggest movie star on the planet still yeah which is weird because well it's not weird i guess but it, but like, like the whole netflix thing kind of when that started out with him doing a deal with them people dismissed it initially i think and we're just right. sort of like Ugh, well, you know what is this and i'm like i'm not gonna lie i haven't seen any of those netflix movies he's done if somehow it was on somewhere i was i wouldn't be angry or whatever but i mean i'm not likely to put them on myself but still the viewing numbers on those if you're to believe netflix are crazy staggering yeah like yeah. just absurd and so yeah, I'm never going to see the silly six or whatever it was. Or like the, <laughs> yeah. But like, it's working. I mean, that was smart for literally everyone involved. Netflix is certainly not mad and he's just rolling in money. There's one that I am tempted to watch, but I haven't yet. And it's, I think the plot is Adam Sandler and Chris Rock as fathers oh, right. at a wedding. Yeah. But it is written and directed by Robert Smigel, who amongst other things is alum of Saturday Night Live and Conan O'Brien. And is Triumph the Insult Comic Dog. And he did the TV's Funhouse cartoons. Yeah, so I'm very tempted to watch that, but I haven't watched. And he does, what, like two a year, three a year? He pumps them out there. Yeah. But then that allows him to then go do Uncut Gems, which I think is a masterpiece. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Emily couldn't watch it. Well, she did watch it, but she found it very difficult to watch just because of the tension and the music. Those filmmakers and that movie... Lucky enough, got to see it back in those before times, mm-hmm. and there was maybe 250 people here. It was packed, yeah, and you could just <laughs> feel it. Like, and it's not a, it's a thriller, but it was more tense than any horror film or roller coaster ride. And it's one of those, without spoiling anything, it's basically a crime doesn't pay movie, mm-hmm. which is my favorite genre. I love those movies, and the whole movie is just like a ticking time bomb, and you know it's not going to work, and he seems like a nice guy through most of it. And you're just like, just stop. Just get out. Yeah, you were so close. Oh, but then that makes me sad because I'd rather he just did those movies all the time. Yeah. But I think he enjoys doing the light comedies. And it's one of those things where if you could, for a number of months of a year, hang out with your friends that you have cherry picked, that mm-hmm. you're like, I'm working with this film crew, these actors, these comedians... That's that's a pretty decent life. <laughs> well, yeah, and they usually, the plot revolves around them going to a tropical locale at some point. Which is great, yeah. <laughs> so, it's like, uh, this one's set in Hawaii. Yeah, for no real reason, but we wanted to shoot there, so that's what this is. But it's kind of funny that his two notable dramatic roles, both that and uh, Punch Truck Love, revolve around an intense soundtrack that really never lets up. And this is kind of completely nothing to do with each other, but I, you know, I hadn't thought about that before. I was like, that's kind of the reason they feel so tense is because you're just like, you don't really get a moment to breathe. It, it really. 
are the Safties doing another thing? They, yeah, some other cool thing. What? Yeah, like I almost think they were working on a TV project with someone cool, and now that's, I mean, probably really not giving you much information at all. But I remember being like, oh yeah, that's cool. Oh, I can't wait to get back to that. Whether it's a comedy or a horror film or a thriller or a kids movie, kids movies can be fun. <laughs> You're just naming all the genres. All the genres. <laughs> a documentary, oh, a train movie, but just that feeling of. A couple hundred people in a cinema watching something and all experiencing that terror or joy or edge of your seat. I remember as well, despite it being a documentary, and you can't even spoil it, I knew the guy survived because I saw him plugging the movie on talk shows. (laughs) But the documentary Free Solo that just has this insane footage of people without any safety harnesses or anything climbing mountains... And the whole movie, you're just, you just think you're about to watch somebody fall to their death. And it's so tense and so scary. And you watching that at home, it could still feel that way a bit. But when you're in a cinema, you can feel that aura of the room. You can feel that. Yeah, the gasps. (laughs) Yeah, oh, for sure. And I love that in a horror movie when even like the mainstays like Exorcist or The Shining and somebody will gasp or scream. I remember friend and I watching the Willem Dafoe movie by Lars von Trier from a couple years back. Oh, yeah. Uh, Antichrist. Antichrist. And that movie was not messing around a couple times. And there was a few scenes in there, a specific climactic scene, where when it happened, I heard two people gasp in genuine fear. And then there's that little kind of laugh afterwards that happens. But... I just thought, like, yep, those people are scarred for life. Yeah, seriously. They might not be coming back. Exciting news about the Safety brothers. Oh, yes. So one of them is directing a remake of 48 Hours. What? <laughs> I knew you would like that. There's no cast mentioned. I wish it was part three and it was just still Nick Nolte and Eddie Murphy. Well, and I got to be honest, it doesn't list, you know, the plot. So it could just be another comedy called 48 Hours. 48 but... Hours is just a cop movie, too. There's not really even a gimmick to it, was there? It was just like, I don't think so. They're buddy cops. No, but the one I was thinking of. So the other brother, he does more acting, I guess. Yeah. And so, first of all, he's in every episode of the upcoming Obi-Wan series. I did not know that. Yeah. So what? And then the thing I was thinking of, yeah. He's collaborating with Nathan Fielder, who did Nathan for You and, and oh, some other yeah, stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so they co-created a series called The Curse with Emma Stone. So like everyone you like is in this. That's going to be, I wonder if that'll be an edge of your seat terrifying thing. I think so. It like, must be. I think the Safties, I don't think they're suddenly going to do a lighthearted musical. I think they've found their genre. Well, technically he's just acting and co-creating. Oh, okay. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, it, yeah. it does say comedy, but it's a genre bending comedy. So, right. we'll, you know, we'll see. But I remember the premise was cool. And like, once I saw a Safty involved, I'm like, oh, hey. I've loved everything they've done so far. They have a short resume, but everything they've done so far, I super love. Yeah, they're sticking the landing. And, you know, Emma Stone's always good, so. Always good. I love Emma Stone. (laughs) You can't complain about that. Yeah, and so in more cleaning up the basement stuff at my mom's house, also found an old Kevin Smith Wizard magazine. Do you remember Wizard magazine? Oh, God, yeah. I used to buy it every month. Me too. And so there's a podcast called Wizards, and I love the specificity of podcasts for this, because whether you're, say you're really into, like, Ships in a Bottle. I bet you there's a really awesome Ships in a Bottle podcast out there. Like Bottled Up, The Ship Chronicles <laughs> I'm going to look for one now <laughs> just to see if it's there. But Wizards is all about specifically Wizards Magazine. But for a nerd like me, it's very interesting because they talk about the 90s and creating comics in that era and the creators and what they're doing now and the writers and what they're doing now, all this kind of stuff. So I sent them a picture because I'd been in touch with them every once in a while, magic of social media, saying... 
look what I just unearthed. And it was a bunch of Wizard magazines. And they said, oh, we're looking for that Kevin Smith magazine and haven't been able to find it. That's weird. <laughs> so I just said, it's yours. Man. And they were so thankful. And But I like that kind of, there's a sense when you're a nerd to hoard things. You got to have it. But it's very nice to be able to pass something like that along, which would have just sat on my magazine shelf. Yeah. And now they're going to get to use it, dissect it, and make an episode of a podcast around it. And they really go into like every article. And I just like it going out into the world. And it's been sitting in my mom's basement for 20 years. And now it's going to serve a purpose. Man, it's just like that VHS tape that you sent off to Toronto. Oh, no. That was down to the States. Oh, even better. Yeah. And that was a similar thing. It's funny. You know, like the internet is horrible a lot. <laughs> but it's nice. And the Mayfair is at the receiving end of it all the time. Yeah. Of the internet can be a force of good and kindness. And so it's nice when you can send somebody a magazine and it makes their day. Yeah. It's funny. Like I sold all my back issues of Wizard, which some of them may be worth something now. Who even knows? But when I was like kind of younger, I was transitioning from comics to, I don't know, movies, music, whatever it was. And I just hit a point where I was like, yeah, you know. And so I remember selling it as a lot. And it was just like a heavy box, obviously. And so I sold And I don't think I grasped the concept of shipping and weight at that time. And so I'm like. I don't know. I was a teenager, obviously, but I don't know, 15, whatever. And so I remember like selling it and like, you know, pretty well or whatever. And then taking it to the thing and the shipping was more than what (laughs) I had made. And I'm just, just baffled. And I'm pretty sure that the person like helped me out and they shipped it media mail or something like they kind of like skirted the rules a little bit, I think, because they could just see, I'm just like, I have to pay shipping. Like, <laughs> yeah. so, and it was totally my fault, but you just wouldn't think of that as a kid. You're just like selling stuff, making money, eBay, hooray, you know, back in the early days of eBay, probably. That hinders me on eBay a lot of the time where it'll be a reasonably priced item. It'll be like the black hole lunchbox for $20. Obviously. And you're like, oh, that's cool. Shipping $80. Well, it's like the <laughs> yeah. box is going to be a weird size, I guess. So it, it makes some sense, but. Yeah, but that's always like, if I had been walking through a flea market and seen that for $20, totally would have bought it. Yeah. But with the shipping and everything, it's like, no. I got lucky the other day. There was a record. I started getting into this band 10CC, which I knew a couple of singles, but didn't really know much about. And they do like the things we do for love and, you know, a couple other. Yeah. And, oh, and they did that song, you know, I'm Not In Love that was in Guardians of the Galaxy. Uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. So, like, they had some some really good stuff, but, like, there was an album cover I found that really, I was really taken with. You would love it, too. Like, it's, it's got, like, a astronaut type guy holding almost like a damsel in distress almost like a creature from the black lagoon holding a woman kind of thing okay and it's just a really cool like visual and i was like oh my god i love that turns out the album is good too so even better <laughs> bonus but i was like i want that on my wall like, on a lyric i checked ebay and most of them were like yeah with shipping and stuff it was 30 40 bucks and i'm just like yeah and then there was one from france and it was, I can't remember, he had already put the price down 20% and it had or best offer. And I was like, okay, already I'm loving this. But the shipping was $3 from France for what? an LP. That's crazy. Yeah. And so I'm like, this doesn't even make sense, but okay. He wanted like 11.99 francs, I guess, or whatever it is, whatever they got over there, euros maybe, I don't know. And so I was, I was like, well, you put best offer. So I got to do what I got to do. And so I offered him 8.99 and he took it. I was like, there's no way. <laughs> and I was like, wow. So I ended up getting it shipped for 15 bucks Canadian, all in shipped, paid for all that 15 bucks. And I was just, it's just one of those situations where I'm like, none of this makes any sense to me. Does France just have super cheap? <laughs> post office system i don't know because any other place i check like discogs.com is another good place for stuff like that records or whatever and i checked every other version of this record was no less than 30 and up and the shipping was like i don't know 15 20 bucks kind of thing for you and i'm just like 
I don't, I love it. I don't understand, but I love it. I actually include a note and I sent him a note in French because I was like, hey, whatever. I speak French. They're in France. This is fun. And I think they kind of got a kick out of that. And so he like gave me a 15% off <laughs> for his thing. And I was like, well, probably not going to buy anything else from you to be honest, but thank you for this one thing. No, it's funny. There's another really great nerd company called Animation Legends. I forget where they are. They're down in the States somewhere and they just sell animation cells and they're expensive, but... <laughs> Two years in a row, I've taken advantage of their Black Friday sale where they're selling stuff for 50% off. And then because I'm on their mailing list, I got some other 10% off discount. So with those doubled up discounts, it meant it did not cost a fortune. And I got, it's kind of fun. You can get these 10 packs of animation cells. They guarantee that a couple are going to be A plus and a couple are going to be B or whatever, kind of graded. <laughs> and some Fs thrown in there yeah, for fun. And, and the F1, those always make me laugh because it's the joke from The Simpsons where Bart was all excited to get a cell and it was like an arm. Yeah, I, that's all I, I saw that on the way here. I what? saw that on Twitter. Someone had posted that picture and I was like, oh, yeah. So I didn't get anything from cinematic animation, but it's kind of cinema adjacent where I got <laughs> some Ewoks cells. Of course. A Spider-Man. A Canadian cartoon called The Devil and Daniel Webster. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've or seen no, that. sorry. Da- what was it? You're, you're combining into two things, I think. I am. The Devil and Daniel Mouse? Yes. I was, oh, God. I was amalgamating them. Yeah, that, I watched that here, actually. That's so good. And I watched it when I was way too young, and it's this weird oh, cartoon yeah. where it was on CBC just as a special. And it's not really like Halloween, and it's not really of a theme the way half-hour specials usually are, like a Charlie Brown Christmas or whatever. But... It's really this little masterpiece, and I was so thrilled to get it. And yeah, two or three of the cells are super A+, plus, like a full figure, and then a couple are kind of weird background figures, and then a couple is like an arm or whatever. <laughs> but that's an example of I would never buy it full price. Yeah. But when you get the 50% off discount and then pay for shipping, it kind of averages out, and you have this cool nerd treasure that you would never find anywhere else and if you don't mind what you get too they must have some like cheaper stuff that is just a grab bag (laughs) yeah and you can buy more specific things like i'm gonna buy a beavis and butthead of this specific cell Hmm. or you buy stuff that i'm sure they just have like a box filled with ewoks cells and they pull out 10 and shove it in an envelope and that's 40 bucks or whatever Hmm. But yeah, it's super fun. And it, it is neat to see, especially the tactile of it, where yeah. where I'm not against the digital age we're in at all, but it's really cool to see an animation cell and if it has the piece of paper with it, so you see the hand-drawn bit and you look on the back of the cell and you can see how messy it looks and it, it's really cool. And so I did that and I remember sending an email to Lee and being like, I think you may be interested in this because they have Ewok cells at a reasonable price. And so he got a bunch, of course, as well. Obviously. I wonder if they have like a mystery thing you can get. Where, That'd be fun. Yeah, because you know it's not going to be something you would have picked yourself. But if you just literally want some animation. You know? Yeah, and if they were like, we guarantee two of the ten pieces are super cool. Yeah. And the rest are just random. Because it's funny, too. Like the Ewok cells, most of them, you can identify them. You're like, oh, this is a creature. This is a vehicle. But then some, it's like a mid-running motion of somebody like falling. And it just looks weird. You're like, I don't know what that is. That's a, like the Tasmanian devil when he's fighting someone. And you're yeah. like, what is that? It this? would almost be fun to frame and put on a wall. And it would just catch your eye and yeah. be like, what is that? That's, I mean, you may as well. Like, it What could... I do want to get is a kind of a portfolio with pages. So I can just put all these in there and people can flip through them. That'd be pretty fun. Or you could just like swap it out every week, put a different one up or something. I mean, it's a lot of work. Or like if you knew somebody else who was a fan, they do make good. Now that I have like 30 or 40 of these, 
eventually it could be like fun to give away one of like the C ones and be like, here you go. He got you labeled as a sucker now. <laughs> like, ah, oh, that idiot. He's just, every time it's a sale, he's going to buy whatever this is. Well, I got some for Savage Dragon. By Eric Larson. Eric Larson. Ah, by you. You see? And I've never actually seen the cartoon because when I was a kid and it was out, I think it was on Fox before Fox came to Canada. And it was kind of violent? Well, or... it was a Saturday morning, huh. but it didn't last. Like, I think yeah. it lasted eight or 12 episodes. But I just got that because I'm such a fan of the comic. And so it's kind of a neat souvenir. But it's truly a dying or dead art form because now everything's digital. So you can't buy cells for something brand new. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't exist. Even if it has the illusion of being 2D, you can't get them because there's no such thing. Yeah, so much of it must just be 80s, just random 80s content of yeah. whatever it happens to be. Like stuff that you never knew was a thing. Well, I don't know when Simpsons stopped, but I know for Disney theatrical, I think their last big push of Beauty and the Beast, Aladdin, mm-hmm. I think all that was hand-drawn. Yeah. But anything more modern that they do that might look 2D is still computer animation with the illusion of 2D. Yeah, like Treasure Planet uh, was like tail end, but yeah. I think that was 3D. And they haven't done a 2D feature film since, I think about a decade, they did princess and the frog and <laughs> winnie the pooh and those were the last two and those might have been 10 12 years ago yeah and, that, and then there was what was that the star wars ish one with matt damon's voice titan AE. oh titan e. that wasn't disney that was don I, bluth yeah i didn't think it was disney but it was like it's funny because like they kind of were treading on that we you know maybe you think it's disney you know <laughs> and that killed poor don bluth's career because i know if i remember correctly in the pre-production process, he had another movie going, and it was something really cool like Jason and the Argonauts. Mm-hmm. But Titan AE tanked so hard, and it was combined with Pixar coming up in the world and yeah. DreamWorks Shrek coming up in the <laughs> world. At that point, they were like, well, kids don't care about 2D anymore. And that was kind of the end of that style almost. I saw it in theaters. Me too, yeah. yeah like, that's weird to think. Well, they said because of the merger, this is kind of funny, the Bob's Burgers animated feature yeah. which is coming out i think this summer or something it's very soon yeah is the first disney 2d film in 12 13 years wow because it technically is a disney film now yeah no that's i mean i like that show i'm intrigued to see how a 90 minute version one yeah. story of it goes like i honestly it could go either way i would hope the amount of time like they're pretty clearly pushing it for theaters so i mean i think they're confident that it's a pretty good movie but i'm sure it'll have some excellent musical numbers yeah as usual so yeah and it was cool seeing like a bob's burgers album at compact or not compact vertigo compact great too <laughs> support your local uh purveyor of music but to see stuff like that or even like the monsters record that they were carrying that came out in 64 and literally never got a repress till last month and it's just directly from the show kind of thing and my friend got that and he's like oh you want a copy and i was just like I love the monsters, but like, how many times am I going to listen? Because it's just like, Herman tells a joke, monsters theme again, you know? Like, I don't know how. I love that stuff like this exists, and it's neat that stores are willing to carry it, especially in 2022, where brick and mortar just doesn't really seem to, to really exist anymore. That is a good thing of it. Is, it's always the fight if you're a collector of digital versus physical media. Yeah. I haven't bought a Marvel comic in five years because I have a subscription to Marvel Unlimited and just read it all digitally. I really think future generations are going to be much more Spartan. And it's not the death of books. It's not the death of music. It's not the death of movies. Just I think there's going to be less of us with a shelf full of Blu-rays or a shelf full of even books. Yeah. 
you'll still read them. I think it'll just be much more tablet or even just taking advantage of the library is always good, all that kind of thing. But mm-hmm. And you especially think that when you're digging out a couple of dozen comic boxes from your mom's basement to bring home. <laughs> oh, God, what have I done? You're like, how many how many packages of rum this base night do I really oh. need? Well, and it's like we played a game of I randomly opened up a box and I said, okay, am I going to pull out garbage or treasure? Oh, no. And it's just random, right? Because you, you see some stuff, especially if you were a kid of the 90s, where you pull out some young blood spinoff book. And you're like, oh God, why? I paid money for this, <laughs> man. Yeah, it's like how many how many Wildcat miniseries <laughs> yeah. do you need that were supposed to pay for college and aren't worth anything? Well, as long as there was some treasure at all and it wasn't just garbage every time, I guess you're doing okay. Oh no, there's some good treasure, but there's still some stuff where it's just like, wow, why did I buy that? Ben Riley isn't the real Spider-Man. <laughs> why did I ever believe this? I love Ben Riley. You had the whole maximum clonage storyline in there. <laughs> I have a Ben Riley hoodie, which I wear oh, frequently. God. That's true, actually. Like, the joke became serious. <laughs> I know. And it's like anything else. It's all of how old you are, right? Yeah. Like, if you're a little kid, Ewoks are cool. If you're not a little kid, Ewoks aren't cool. And it's always funny that people forget that and that middle-aged nerds were mad about porgs. Yeah. And you're like, you forget Remember when you liked the Ewoks when you were five? Mm-hmm. It's the same thing. Well, Kids are allowed to like stuff. Yeah, and they pushed back. I was watching a little interview where uh, Lucas was talking about the genesis of making those, and they looked a lot more freakish and creepy initially. <laughs> right. Yeah, and then so they started to get cuter and more teddy bearish, and I guess they pushed back. I mean, maybe he's just saying that now. I don't know. Yeah. But but it was interesting to see that and what could have been. And But yeah, I mean, I was born in 82, so to me, they were great. <laughs> yeah. Okay, let's wrap up soon. Do you have any recommendations for the week? I watched, for Bad Movie Night, I watched, well, there was one called The Young Nurses, which was part of the, like, nurses, I don't know, quadrilogy or whatever, which is just, you know, the the candy stripers and all that stuff, you know, from the 70s, early 70s. But the cool thing about that, it wasn't a great movie, but Dick Miller was in it. And so it's just one of those where you're just like, holy shit, my buddy's like, is that Dick Miller? I was like, you know it is. (laughs) So, like, just seeing him show up a couple, and he was a jerk cop, so you can imagine, like, it was pretty funny. But, like, the movie itself wasn't great, but the other one we watched was called Lady Terminator, and it was a ripoff of Terminator with a lady, as it may shock you to learn. And it was amazing for that kind of movie, like, a cinema-style masterpiece, I would say. But there's no Blu-ray for it. It was just, like, a DVD. Like, well, just a DVD to make it sound like I'm too good for anything anymore. But, yeah, that was... As amazing as you would hope for a movie where a female robot goes around shooting guys in the crotch. So that was pretty awesome. (laughs) Good times. No, I still haven't been watching a lot of movies. I've been busy doing other things. But also, I contributed to the latest Mystery Science Theater Kickstarter. Mm. And one of the bonuses was their friends at Rift Tracks chipped in. And if you're at a certain level, you get a month free of the Rift Tracks channel. Hmm. And so that just kicked in for us the other day. So pretty much for the next month, my goal is to watch a Rift Tracks movie or short once a day. So we're only a couple days into that, but so that's going to eat up my movie watching time. Damn, for the next month at least. Yeah. <laughs> Take advantage of this free bonus thing. And so we watched a couple shorts. We watched one and it was Bridget Nelson and Mary Jo Peel. It was a half hour Tupperware I was going to say documentary, but no, like a training film. (laughs) Yeah. And the funny thing was, it was very riffable, and the ladies did a great job riffing it, but I actually learned a lot about Tupperware. (laughs) It was like like the assembly line and what they do, and the crazy cult of the 1950s of people selling it. It was very interesting, and just one of these treasures of, wow, once upon a time, people were sitting in an assembly hall 
watching this unironically. And same with the uh, educational films. Like, it's pretty crazy to even think about those. You're just like, could this ever have been taken seriously? Those two ladies, Mary Jo and Bridget, who I think are hilarious, they've done a couple of the stuff that you're like, wow, this isn't from the 1750s. This is from like the 1950s or 60s. You're a girl in grade 11 or 12. Time to think about your career. Do you want to be a housewife or a secretary? You just feel the weight of that, of like, wow, the world continues to be horrible, but back then was nuts. As a single white female. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, uh, swinging yeah. it around. You see? We've done it again. Okay, so let's wrap things up for the week. We thank you for tuning in again in this weird podcast for the Mayfair Theater in which we cannot plug any movies at the Mayfair Theater because we're in lockdown. Hopefully we'll have news about that soon. Theoretically, end of January of 2022 is when we can come back. <laughs> I'm glad that you specified <laughs> yeah. that in the future when we listen to this, we're like, oh God, we never came back. We never all. came back. We'll have updates on our social media and at mayfairtheater.ca. And we will see you next week. And we hope to have you back in the cinema as soon as possible. Thanks, everybody. Bye. Bye. Next week, we can talk about Daniel Radcliffe playing Weird Al in the upcoming biopic. That is news to me. I'm shocked. Right? I had to wait till the end so that you'd be shocked by something. He's there. Behind the wall. Beneath your own feet. You all tried to destroy him. In your greed, you tore everything precious from him. But Eric remembers. What if Eric didn't really die in that fire? And now... <laughs> Eric will make sure you remember too. Eric Matthews is still alive. What do you mean they know? There's no escape from the horror. There was a nightmare at the mall. Eric the Phantom struck. Phantom of the Mall. Eric's revenge.